time. And uh, uh, who who is? Uh, I, sorry, I forgot the joke. Anyway, <laughs> it was good when it started coming through my mind. You know, some people might think I'm a happy-go-lucky guy. Some people might be um, thinking that, well, Jeff, that's kind of your personality. You're upbeat. And I do have a personality that kind of marks out in the, um, in the uh, uh, extroverted, you know, gregarious type of personality. But, you know, I want to tell you that um, uh, I have dealt with much discouragement in my life. I have dealt with much that has not felt positive. And um, uh, I'm here to tell you that to think that someone like me or someone else, uh, Sandra, who was up here a while ago, who's always seems to be gregarious, that, that, that people in that, it's a personality trait, we would be sadly mistaken. Uh, because really discouragement has come to me in many ways, in many forms of my life. I'm going to open my life to you a little bit today and let you see inside how I, as on a learning curve and a learning journey, deal with discouragement. You know, true encouragement is not a personality trait. He's just an encouraged guy. She's just an encouraged person. No, it is. Uh, I want to explain this to you. It is a way of training your mind. It's a way of training your mouth. And it's a way of developing friendships so that you can have courage to accomplish what God's given you to do. It's a way you train your mind. You must train your mind. We cannot have lazy minds and live in encouragement. Because discouragement comes to us every day, right? You get out of bed and you kick the cat and you hurt your toe and, you know, from there. Or maybe before you got out of bed, uh, something happened. I don't know. But encouragement is something that is an active thing. True encouragement is not a personality trait. You sitting there, as well as me, Uh, have to learn the same principles about how to walk in encouragement in the Lord. Are you ready to overcome discouragement? You ready to continue to work and walk down that journey? It is key to you and to me flourishing in every good thing God has for our lives. Satan is the master of discouragement. But God wants to teach us to have encouragement. Overcoming discouragement is a daily battle that I deal with. It's not a daily battle just that you deal with. Not Jeff the pastor, you know. But it is a daily battle that I deal with. But you know, I'm choosing to fight that good fight. I'm choosing to fight it. And you might find it interesting to know in the past two and a half decades that I've walked with Jesus, I have at times been convinced that God has given up on me. I have. I truly have thought that. I've dealt deeply with a critical and a sarcastic spirit that those who are really close to me have unfortunately gotten a taste of at times. I have wanted to give up a few hundred, oh, I'm sorry, not a hundred, a few thousand times (laughs) along the way. I've been hospitalized for two weeks in a psychiatric ward for depression. I've been suicidal, very suicidal. I understand the area of depression, uh, depression, discouragement, and what it takes. But God is good, and he is able to teach us to walk in encouragement on a daily basis. I don't live a life of encouragement because that's just who Jeff is. He's just an encouraged guy. I have a life of encouragement because I've chosen to consistently pursue a God, get a hold of this, a God who's never going to give up on me. (laughs) 
I've given up on me, and he just refuses to give up on me. I praise his holy name. I've chosen to pursue a God who's going to complete what he's done in me. He's already promised he's going to complete it. Man, I've blocked it at times. I've resisted it at times, but he's promised it. I choose to pursue a God like that. I pursue a God who grades on the curve. Praise his holy name. <laughs> you know, I'm given uh, my best effort, which is a, a, a D minus at best sometimes. And he just somehow, he rewards me with an A and teaches me how to walk with his grace. Not me winking at sin, not that. But me choosing to say, God, I'm going to fail forward in your direction. And a God who's always treated me better than I deserve. That's why I can live a life of encouragement. And I live a life of encouragement because I have a God who delights to be merciful. He doesn't look to judge me right off the bat. He looks to be kind. And even his disciplines, oh, they hurt sometimes in our lives, <laughs> the things that come in. Even those disciplines are meant for my good. I'm going to talk about the three areas, what we think about, what we proclaim, and who we walk with. And I want you just to journey with me a little on this. The first thing is that we overcome discouragement by what we choose to think about. It's very important. We need to get a hold of the big picture. Those who overcome discouragement as Christians, as believers in Jesus, and those who hope to follow with him must get the big picture. If you're always in the small picture, it can get discouraging, and it will get discouraging. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians, a letter Paul, the apostle, wrote to the Thessalonians, 4, verses 13 through 18. He says this, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Basically, Paul's saying, get the big picture and encourage one another with these words. Jesus is returning again. Jesus rules and reigns. Jesus has control of my destiny. I, listening, I was listening to that this morning. Um, from life's first breath to final cry, or life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. That's the big picture of it all. We ought at times in our lives to look back and forth at one another and in our own hearts and minds to say, you know, this happens to me when my Texas Aggie football team loses, which it has done at different times, and, and pierced my heart. Jesus is on the throne. <laughs> Jesus never loses. I get the big picture. But whatever it is in your life, that's such a small thing. But whatever in your life is going on, it's the big picture. In this letter from Paul, he demonstrates that key truth. If they're to walk in continuous encouragement, they've got to get the big picture. The big picture, just very simply, 
is this. And you find the big picture. Where do you find it? In the Bible, in the Word of God, through looking at what he has to say about the meta-narrative, the large narrative of all mankind. The big picture is that Jesus is alive and he's going to establish his eternal kingdom. Kingdoms are rising. Kingdoms are falling. ISIS is going nuts everywhere. They're beheading people. They're crucifying people. It's fearful. We hear they're coming to America. We hear they're coming to Europe. They're already in Europe. Charlie Hebdo. All of these different things. But Jesus Christ is establishing His eternal kingdom. Therefore, I will not give way to discouragement and fear. He is good. And all of His ways are good. I must get the big picture. As it says in Isaiah chapter 40. How do I have this thought? Because in Isaiah 40 it says that kings and kingdoms rise and fall. The nations are like a drop in the bucket. But He, He rules and reigns over all for all eternity. Man, you feel tired? You feel discouraged today? Lay a hold of this in Isaiah chapter 40. That youths grow tired and weary. You felt weary this morning? I have. I'm not as youth as I used to be. But we even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who trust in the Lord do what? Renew their strength. Big picture. Big God. You've got to have a big God to walk in encouragement. Not a small God. We worship small gods when we give way to fear. We worship the small God of money. We worship the small God of others, right? Isn't that something else? We get the big picture. God is big enough. You are the massive God of all eternity. You're God most high, but you're also God most nigh. You are so close and intimate to my own life. And I can have, you can love me to the depth and to the core of my being. The small idol we give ourselves is to the approval of men and women around us, even to our spouse saying, as uh, Beth Moore said, uh, a woman that teaches the Bible a lot, she said, I make a really good wife, but I don't make a good God. My husband makes a really good husband, but he doesn't make a good God. You see, we put our hope in things, but the big picture is that Jesus is coming, he's establishing his kingdom, and that Jesus began everything. You know another thing about the big picture? If your heart is giving way, all wrongs will be righted in Jesus at the end of time. Praise His holy name. Every wrong will be righted. We, 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 we are um, so anxious about this. Why is there evil in the earth? And I understand these are legitimate questions we discuss. But the reality of the matter is that God will not be found to have been unfair. God will not be found... He will have judged everything rightly in its time. Every wrong will be righted. Every low one will be lifted up. Every proud one will be brought down. And and regardless of what's going on around me today, I can be encouraged that God is in charge of it all. Another thing is that God is the author. That means He's the beginner of my faith. And He's the finisher of my faith. I didn't start following God because I chose to. God began to pursue me. Man, if that doesn't encourage your soul today, let it. God pursued you before you ever pursued Him. And I ran away from God. And He kept coming after me. Until I said, uncle, so to speak, and let Him love me. You see, you didn't start pursuing God. Some of you feel like, I don't know how to get closer to God. Just say yes. Just say yes. He's already on your 
not case. He's off your case. He wants to be on your life in such a way. He is every step you take toward him. He's taking hundreds toward you. Every time you get up in the morning, feel groggy. I don't really feel like getting any time with God. He's already spent the night praying over you. He loves you. The big picture is God's on your side. So it's very important what we think about. And that means we need to be students of God's word. We need to be those who read the Bible more than we read uh, whatever dot com we have. Right? It's good. It's okay. It's okay to be involved in anything, but I don't want to give myself to uh, Facebook more than Jesus. I don't want to give myself to Pinterest more than Jesus. I don't want to give myself to ESPN.com more than Jesus. I don't want to give myself to uh, Twitter. I don't know. Whatever else. You name it. Let's give our hearts to God's Word because in all of these other things, it's shifting sand. We're looking at so many things, the image of what looks good. Right? That's what Instagram is. It's an instant in your life that was great outside of kids crying and you feeling rejected and this, that, and the other. And everybody sees it and thinks your life is great and theirs is not. That's not reality. Reality is that His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and I'm a part of it. <laughs> Praise this holy name. You know, another truth in the big picture is that no matter what's arrayed against me in life, no matter what's against me, Maybe my background. Maybe you feel like my background's against me. I was born, you know, um, uh, in, in a difficult situation. Maybe you feel that people are against you. Maybe you feel that you've been educationally ripped off. Or maybe you feel that things are too competitive. I don't know. Whatever is arrayed against me, it cannot and it will not separate me from the love of God in Jesus Christ, my Lord. It can't. I don't care what it is. Jesus commands my destiny. Man, I'm fighting this fight with you daily with discouragement. But Jesus is not only bigger than snow, He's bigger than all eternity. He's bigger than anything, than our solar system, than the galaxy, than the worlds. And not only is He big, He's good. And He likes to be kind. He likes to be generous. He likes to interact with us. So it's what we think about, all right? As uh, one of the uh, fellows used to say, I don't know if it was Norman Vincent Peale, get rid of the stinking thinking, right? Well, let's also think about what we speak. And what we speak is really who are we speaking to in order to walk in encouragement in our lives. Well, we need, in walking encouragement, we need to learn, right? We got the big picture. We're thinking about that. But we need to learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Let's read this passage so that you know where this concept comes from. David, in 1 Samuel 33 through 6, it says, When David and his men reached Ziklag, say that five times backwards, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. It's a lot of weeping. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinom of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed. Any of you wake up distressed today? Any of you been greatly distressed this week? David was greatly distressed. I don't know if you've had people talking of stoning you, but that's pretty distressing. Because men were talking of stoning him. All of them. All of his followers. That's a nice day. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength 
in the Lord his God. Say it with me. But David found strength in the Lord his God. I think we need to say it again. But David found strength in the Lord his God. David didn't find strength in the latest newspaper, the scroll that came by. He didn't find strength in someone else's opinion, which is where I try to find it so much of the time. Just make me feel good about me. Uh, Just don't hurt me. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Here's some of the ways that David found that strength. Well, I'll say this. Just as David encouraged himself, it's important we learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord on a daily basis. Overcoming discouragement is not a passive exercise. You know? Well, I thought about it. I tried to think my way out of it. You're not going to think your way out of discouragement, by the way. You think your way into lots of things. Thinking's okay. But thinking's not the way you get out of discouragement. It's speaking. It's proclaiming. It's resisting. What do you mean by that, Jeff? Well, let's talk about that. Speaking to God. We praise Him for who He is. Psalm 103, 1 through 5. Praise the Lord, uh, the psalmist says, my, all my soul and all that is within my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. By praising God for who He is, we're bringing ourselves into alignment with who He is. I cannot be encouraged with who I am until I come into the realization of who He is and who I am in Him. I can't. You know, very simply said, self-worth does not come from me telling myself how great I am. It doesn't. I'm, I'm great. You're great. But it's not from me telling myself how great I am. In Him, it's us proclaiming how great He is. And that such a great God would love me so deeply. Such a great God created me in His image. Man, I have worth. This God of all the universe that I worship and honor and and praise, He created me in His image. Wow, I'm worth something. And you are too. You're worth so much. The blood of Jesus has proven that. Encouragement doesn't come by me believing in myself. You've heard that. I hear it all the time. Just believe in yourself. How'd you get this done? Well, I just believed in myself. Well, okay. I'm not saying people haven't been helped by positive thinking. We don't want anyone to hate themselves. But you believe in yourself by proclaiming the sufficiency of Him who made you. And who is in you, if you have faith with Jesus, I can believe in him and me. People say, are you ready today? I didn't wake up today ready to preach to you. I woke up today wanting to take a siesta. I woke up today not wanting to be here. And that's not often. That's very rarely. But I didn't. But you know what? As I've said many times, are you ready? I don't know. He's ready and I'm with him. Let's go. Let's go get him. And you know what? I'm glad I came today. Glad to be with you. 
So you speak to God, you praise Him. We must speak that out. It's not just thinking to God. It is speaking to God. That's called prayer. (laughs) Praise and prayer. We do that. But we also speak to our soul. We speak to ourselves. Someone has a book, Steve Backland. It's entitled, You're Crazy If You Don't Talk to Yourself. (laughs) I like that. That's kind of funny. But the reality is, David is here, and I'm sorry, the psalmist in Psalm 42 says this, My tears have been my food day and night. Anybody felt that in your life? Your tears have been your food? You have a broken relationship? You felt deeply wounded, deeply rejected? You lost your job? You're afraid about your future? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Then the psalmist does this, right? Does this. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? This is actually David himself. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you bummed out today? God's been good to you. God has every intention toward you. He spoke to his soul. He spoke to his soul. Does that seem strange? It seems biblical to me. David is saying, why are you downcast? We are. But at times we have to do that. I do this in all different areas of my life. You know, I'll say that. I'll say, that's just from hell. Sometimes you'll just, you know, or that... I. I'm speaking to myself. I'm just saying, you, soul, have to line up with the truth of who God is. Quit deceiving me, soul. (laughs) So however you learn how to, you have to do a little soul talk, which is speaking the truth to your soul. Soul, I know you feel that God has forsaken you or that everything's wrong or everyone's against you or that it's not going to work out. But soul, put your hope in God. You're like, I don't have anyone else to encourage me. Well, you got you. (laughs) That'll work for now. We'll talk about the other one later. But you got you. When we learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord, guess what? A lot of other people get encouraged. I think God wants us to, to learn that dynamic of encouraging ourselves in the Lord so we have something to give to others. Now, I'm going to very clearly share about the need for others to encourage us. But it's very important. So you speak to God. You speak to your soul. And you speak words of thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. That means give thanks. Rejoice. Praise. Give thanks. Whatever. Praise is who he is in one sense. Thanks is what he's done and what is going on. But we need to be in that. I had a friend of mine I was in the office with a number of years ago. We were at the CFCF office uh, in Washington Street, which we've actually uh, um, not officing there anymore for the first time in years. Uh, We've made a good transition to our office in Waltham. Uh, where three churches are, are meeting together and we're synergizing together the uh, river, the harbor, and community of faith. But anyway, we were back at this office and this young lady I'd been with uh, or w- was working on staff with, I, I knew she was going through a devastating time of life. She just had a breakup of, a, of an engagement. There was an engagement. It was broken up. 
And she came to, to work every day encouraged. And I said to her, I said, so-and-so? <laughs> I said, let's just say Julie. That wasn't her name. Julie, why in the world? What's going on in you? I noticed there's something going on. You're externally, your life's at least feeling like it's falling apart now. And, but you've, she said, I made a determination after this happened that before I got out of bed in the morning, I was going to thank God for ten things. And I do that every day before I even get out of bed. She wasn't passive about encouraging herself in the Lord through giving him thanks. And the last one is uh, that we need to resist the devil. So we're speaking praise to God. We're speaking and encouraging our soul. We're giving thanks. And then we speak to the devil. Now, am I talking about having a conversation with the devil? No, I'm not talking about Ouija board stuff and uh, all of that. I'm, I'm not. What I'm talking about is addressing the devil who is not just the black fog. The devil's not just the black fog. The devil and his angels are beings just as angels of God are beings. They are fallen angels. And uh, um, who you're addressing is, is, is the demonic forces in this world when you address it. But there are moments, uh, and it says in James 4, 6, and 7, but he gives us more grace. That's why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Some people feel it's not good to talk to the devil. It's not good to converse with him. But it's very important that you resist him when you have to. Sometimes you've, you've done what you're doing. You have, um, uh, you, you know, in your battle with discouragement, you've proclaimed who God is. You've spoken to your soul. You've chosen thankfulness. And you still sense a continued battle. That's where you say there may be an element of spiritual uh, resistance to my life. And that's where you have to say, Satan, I will not give way to your evil plans toward me. I will not give way to this discouragement. Stop it in Jesus' name. That's actually the longest I'd ever talked to the devil. You're, we're always to be in awe of God and how great he is, but we are to be aware of the devil. We're in awe of God and aware of the devil. We're not in awe of the devil. We're in awe of God, but we're aware. And so these are things that we do to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Praise the Lord. Speak to your soul. Give thanks. Resist the devil. And then the last thing is very important in overcoming discouragement is who we associate ourselves with and how we walk this life that we've talked about. So importantly, we've talked about us being a community of faith. I want to talk really about how the community of faith has played a role in my life. And we'll roll it up here and finish. It's very important that we develop friendships and we walk in friendships with people who encourage us in the Lord. There's a lot of people who encourage people in evil. I saw a reprehensible thing, and I don't know the truth or not of it, but that a young lady encouraged her friend to take his life on social media. I'm sure some of you read that. It was on the front page of pretty much every major newspaper. He was in the car and she said, go ahead and do it. That's not the kind of encouragement we need, obviously. What we need is people who will encourage us in righteousness, encourage us in joy, encourage us in God's way. And we do it by speaking words of life. Now, David encouraged himself in the Lord, but we see David here in a different situation. And encouraging himself in the Lord was one thing, but he had to have someone else's. 1 Samuel 23, 15 through 18. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. It's pretty discouraging. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped 
him find strength in the Lord his God. Now, that's interesting. David found his strength in the Lord his God. But now David is having a friend come and help him find his strength. I can tell you, you can be the best self-encourager ever. There's going to come a time in your life that you need relationships with people who are going to speak the word of life to you and wake you up, so to speak, in the spirit. Both in ways you, you may be heading toward danger, but also in ways that God's doing more than you can see. And he says, my father Saul will not lay a hand on you, David. He's speaking encouragement. He's dealing with that fear. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel. He's speaking David's destiny. Man, we both know you're going to be the king over Israel. That's a pretty big deal from Jonathan, who was actually the heir to the throne of Israel, (laughs) to say, David, you're going to be the king of Israel. Basically, uh, he said, even my father Saul knows this. Then the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Hey, he's going up to David. He's saying, brother, I know this is a desperate time in your life. I know you want to give up. But I'm telling you, God's got a call on your life. God's got a purpose for your life. Don't give way to this situation. You can break free in modern day language. You don't have to give way to an immoral relationship. You don't have to in your discouragement. You see, discouragement leads us into sin. The devil loves discouragement in that place because then we end up breaking our lie or having our lives broken. But praise God, he can even restore that. But the good news is we need others in our lives to say, no, that's not what God's thinking. No, that's not God's purpose for your life. Yes, God has good stuff. I want to close today by giving you a little bit more of an insight into my life. Into how I've had friends who stood with me. I said earlier today, you may see me as kind of a happy-go-lucky guy. You may not. Sarah lives with me. She, doesn't, she sees not all of my happy or, or lucky or whatever. And different ones. But... Some people perceive me that way, and that's fine. But you know, when I had been in ministry for about seven years, 1997, I moved to Berlin, Germany, to lead a team to plant a church. After a few weeks in Berlin, I ended up uh, with a problem with my vision. I couldn't figure out what was wrong. I thought my eyesight was, uh, something was very wrong with my eyesight, or I had migraines, or something was wrong. I went to the ophthalmologist uh, in Germany, This was just a few weeks after I was leading a long-term team to Germany, okay? And uh, the test results came back, and it was negative. It was negative. There's nothing wrong with your eyes. So soon after that, I realized what was going on. It was the first signs of depression that began to to set in. You know, I worshipped as hard as I could. I prayed as hard as I could. I called out to God. And these symptoms, much worse than eyesight, took over. It seemed like a mild case at first of having a bad day. But it became a suffocating cloak of darkness I've never experienced before and don't ever plan on experiencing again. The feelings eventually drove me to a complete, absolute breakdown. I lost, really, every sense of up and down. And I began to realize there was no easy way out of this darkness. I found myself giving up on life. My identity had been so formed by the opinions of others, by me succeeding in this goal of planting this church. I'd taught so many others how to do it. And my world was falling apart right in front of me. And utter utter hopelessness pressed in on my heart like a vice. It was my, I had complete inability to continue the work. And it wasn't a great day, although it was a great friend. Jimmy Seibert, the leader of 
The organization I was in had to fly to Europe to pick me up. I was so incapacitated. Escorted me back to Texas. And a few days later, I was admitted to a psychiatric hospital without shoelaces. Depressed. Hopeless. Discouraged. Wondering why I'd ever gone for it in God. You know, I remember, my dear friends, that I felt like I had completely let down. I'd spoken big, but acted little. I had felt my failure was right smack dab in my face. I was despairing of life, and they came to visit me in the hospital. What a humbling thing. But what seems like cruelty for the moment is often a kindness of God for a lifetime. They spoke a few things to me in encouragement, and I'll tell you what they were, and I take those with me today. I had thought, I was convinced that God had left me, that I had failed God. They very lovingly and compassionately assured me that He hadn't. I thought for certain that my life was over. I saw no hope. Suicide became an option. I've told many people it's not an option. It became a viable option. But my friends came in and dealt that a death blow. Ha, pretty good. They assured me that the best was yet to come. They gathered around me and covered me. A friend of mine named Mike Yarmark, a doctor, laid at the foot of my bed and just interceded over me all night long. I was broken. I had nothing to give. Molly Richmond's father came and mother uh, to Sean and Laura to visit me in the hospital. And I would give them every reason why my life was over. And they'd say, no, he's, it's not over. It's not over. You're just not thinking right now, Jeff. Something's, something's off <laughs> in your chemicals, in your theology, whatever. But we're going to work through it right now. You know, I thought my value was in how I performed. I was so convinced that this failure meant it was over for me. But you know what? They loved me in failure. And so many of my friends loved me and they restored me to a value in him I think I'll never, ever get rid of. I know I will never be rid of it. I'm still working on it. I'm still a work in progress. But, you know, I wanted to give up in every single way. But they let me know that they would not let me go. They called me back into ministry. They called me to come here to Boston. Boston was not born out of vibrato, me saying, I got everything together. Boston was born out of a bunch of broken people saying, we just want to love God and we want to take another risk with a God who's been faithful to us. Discouragement is of the devil. You know, I'll, I'll end with this. The Lord Jesus said to Peter after... Peter had denied him three times when, when Jesus was, uh, um, even before Peter denied him three times because Jesus saw what Peter was going to go through. He said, Simon, Simon, this is Peter's name before Jesus had called him Peter. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and when you return, Strengthen your brothers. I praise the name of Jesus that we don't have to be discouraged because we have a God that's more faithful to us than we could ever be to Him. We have a God that's arranging things in our lives in such a way that even if we fail, He'll never fail for us. And so we'll conclude it with this. 
True encouragement is not a personality trait. It's a way of training our minds, training our mouth, and cultivating our friendships in such a way to live with courage and to accomplish what God has given us to do in life. And ask John.